please open your Bibles uh, to two locations, 1 Timothy 3, Ephesians 4. 1 Timothy 3 and Ephesians 4. This is the fourth message in our Vision 2020 series. Our FBG vision for 2020 is to lead someone who is close to you closer to Jesus. And for the purposes of this vision, we've divided the year into thirds. The first third from January 1 up until Easter. We're in a 78-day countdown to Easter right now. The second third from Easter to the start of school in the fall. And the final third the start of school in the fall up through Advent and Christmas Eve. So in these 78 days we have remaining, we're getting ready. We're getting our lives ready, our hearts ready, our campus ready. We're getting ready to lead someone who is close to you, closer to Jesus, by inviting them to the Easter services here at FBG on Easter Sunday morning. So mark your calendars plan to be here and identify those who are close to you that you'll be inviting at the appropriate time to join us. This Vision 2020 requires us to continue a process that we've already benefited from and that's intended to benefit others. You see, someone led you to Christ and somebody led that person who led you, and now it's your opportunity and my opportunity to lead someone. And the starting place, the starting place for doing that is with those who are close to you right here, right now. It's not easy to carry out this vision 2020. Commitment to this vision requires changes in our lives. It's, going to re it's requiring changes in my life. It's going to require changes in all of our lives, and change is not easy. It's difficult, and we need help and support and encouragement to change in Jesus Christ, to be who he wants us to be. And we find that help and support and encouragement in the church and its leaders. And that's our focus this morning. That's why we're talking about who leads the church and why it matters. Pastors are called to lead the church so that every member flourishes in their walk with Christ and their witness for Christ. So as we walk and live through 2020 and live out the 2020 vi vision, close connection with FBG and its leaders will help you flourish in leading someone who is close to you, closer to Jesus. Paul wrote about the pastoral leadership of the church in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1, Paul said, This, is a, this saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to be an overseer, he desires a noble work. Paul is saying here that the work of pastors is a noble work. That word overseer is another word for pastor. So when you read in the New Testament and you read about pastors, elders, 
bishops, overseers, they all refer to the same position or the same office of service in the church. They're used interchangeably throughout the New Testament and all refer to leaders in a local church who oversee and shepherd and guide the church to grow and flourish in Jesus Christ. Ephesians 4, what Paul's writing there, and flip over to Ephesians 4, verse 11, uh, helps us understand why Paul said that, the, that pastors' work is noble. Ephesians 4, I'm going to read 11 through 13 and then 16. It says he gave, gave and he himself, that is Jesus Christ, gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, equipping the saints for the work of ministry to build up the body of Christ until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of God's Son, growing into a maturity with a measure, with a stature measured by Christ's fullness. And then verse 16, from him the whole body, fitted and knit together by every supporting ligament, promotes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love by the proper working of each individual part. You see, the work of pastors is noble because they are given to the church by Jesus Christ himself, and they are gifted and called by Jesus Christ for one purpose, and that is to help the church grow and flourish. The work of pastors is noble because they help church members flourish in their walk with Christ. Notice in verse, verse 13, the reference to unity of the faith. The pastors help us be united in common biblical truth and in Christian doctrine. And then also the reference to knowing Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and grow, being united in knowledge of Christ. Pastors help us know Jesus in an intimate and life-changing way. Not only is the pastor's work noble because they help us as church members flourish in our walk with Christ, but also our witness for Jesus Christ. Look at verse 12. Pastors work to equip the saints for the work of ministry. And verse 16. Pastors facilitate the proper, that last phrase, the proper working of each individual part of the body. So what is the work of ministry? The work of ministry is everything that Jesus has instructed us to do as a church. The work of ministry is everything we do to love God, love people, and help others do the same. Leading someone who is close to you, closer to Jesus, is at the heart of the work of ministry. It's at the heart of what we do as a church. So who does the work of the ministry according to verse 12? The saints do the work of the ministry. Who are the saints? The saints are every member of the church. And then how do church members lead someone who is close to them, closer to Jesus? It is with the help 
of the church and its pastors. Pastors equip, prepare, and able church members to do the work of ministry by leading someone closer to Jesus. Why must church members join with pastors in doing the work of ministry? Why can't the pastors just do it all? Why does it take all of us? Because according to verse 16, it takes the proper working of each individual part to carry out the work of ministry. Think about it a minute. If the only people who are led closer to Jesus are the people who are close to your pastors, how many people are going to come closer to Jesus? Not very many. In comparison to the number of people we all know together. So all of us are uniquely positioned to participate together in carrying out the work of ministry by leading someone who is close to us, closer to Jesus, and it takes us all. Our role as pastors here at FBG is to lead you as a church to grow, thrive, and flourish for the glory of God. The more closely connected you are to the church and its leaders, the more effective you will be in leading someone who is close to you, close, closer to Jesus. It, it, it's going to be difficult. It's going to be difficult for us to fulfill Vision 2020 if we try to do it alone. So I have a disclaimer for you. You know those disclaimers on TV that, said, don't, that say, don't try this at home? Okay, so the disclaimer for Vision 2020 is don't try this alone. It's not going to work. We do it together under the leadership and with the help and support and encouragement of our church and its pastors. So noble pastors, noble pastoral leadership leads to the flourishing of every member of the church. And now we're going to focus a minute on the plurality of pastoral leadership. If pastoral leadership leads to the flourishing of every member of the church, then the plurality of pastoral leadership will multiply the flourishing of the church. That terminology, plurality of pastoral leadership, may not be a very familiar term to you. Actually, it's relatively new to me and I'm the one up here preaching about it so I don't know what how this is going to work out you know but many of the churches in the New Testament just had a plurality of leadership which simply means multiple pastors leading together as one the church at Jerusalem had a plurality of pastoral leadership when Paul, Barnabas, and their companions arrived at Jerusalem, they were told in Acts they were welcomed by the church, the apostles, and the elders, pastors, plural. The church at Ephesus had a plurality of pastoral leadership. In Acts 20, we're told that Paul sent to Ephesus and summoned the elders, that is, the pastors of the church, and they came to him plural term 
The church at Philippi had a plurality of pastoral leadership. In Philippians 1.1, the introduction to that letter to the Christians in Philippi, Paul addressed it to all the saints in Jesus Christ who are in Philippi, including the overseers, that is, the pastors and deacons. The church mentioned in the book of James had a plurality of pastoral leadership. James said in, in chapter 5, verse 14, Is anyone among you sick? He should call for the elders of the church, and they are to pray over him. A plurality of pastoral leadership is one of the models in the New Testament. And we have a directional team of pastors here at FBG who are functioning as a plurality of pastoral leadership. We are sharing the leadership of FBG. We are a team seeking to lead as one. The directional team consists of six pastors. Kevin Eckerd, our lead pastor, Kurt Prater, our worship pastor, Kurt Sparkman, our formations pastor, Brett Levi, our family pastor, and some guy named David Griffin, the care pastor. The directional team has been functioning here at FBG for about three years. It was formed after Kevin came here as our lead pastor four and a half years ago. And it's based on Kevin's decision to fulfill his role as lead pastor by forming a team of pastors and choosing to voluntarily submit his leadership to the team. Ephesians 5.21 says to all members of the church, all believers, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. As all of us on the directional team submit to each other, we're able to lead together better. We submit to each other. Kevin, our lead pastor, is our lead submitter, not our lead dominator on that team. How does the directional team function? Well, we meet together regularly every week, and then we add a second meeting every other week. We submit to each other in open, honest dialogue that helps us make better decisions and provide the most effective leadership for FBG. We're not yes men for a power-hungry lead pastor. We are pastors who submit to each other under the lordship of Christ to provide leadership and direction. We have freedom on this team to say anything we need to say without fear. We sometimes push on each other and challenge each other, we talk, pray, and wrestle through differences until we all agree, and then we move forward when there's unanimity. What are the responsibilities of our directional team? Well, together we shepherd, lead, and oversee the ministries of the church. We protect the doctrinal integrity of the church. We lead the way in matters of church discipline and redemption. 
We equip the church to do the work of ministry. We promote unity and fellowship in the church family. We serve as examples of following Christ and sharing the gospel. Do we do all that perfectly? By no means do we do all that perfectly. But we're accepting the responsibility that's been entrusted to us by the Lord and by the church. What are the benefits? Why not have just one lead pastor? Why have plurality of leadership for the flourishing of the church? First of all, because plurality brings balanced leadership to the church. We capitalize on each other's strengths. We compensate and balance each other's weaknesses. We bring differing gifts, differing talents and skills, different differing personality makeup, differing life experience that when added together brings tremendous benefit to the church. Plurality provides checks and balances for the church. The church is protected because there's accountability and discipline on the team. No one person dominates, not even the lead pastor. The church is not subject to the will and leadership of one authoritarian person. Plurality encourages congregational involvement in setting the direction of the church. There are six directional team members, not just one pastor, available to listen and receive input from the church family. We have an entire team of pastors available to serve, help you, serve you, and lead you. And then plurality builds authentic community within the church. As a directional team, we live in community with each other. We model authentic community for our church family as we do that. We're regularly in the Word. We pray together at least once a week, sometimes more. We care for each other, encourage each other. We have fun and laugh together. We pray for each other's personal struggles and issues. In fact, we know each other's strengths and weaknesses and know each other's areas of vulnerability to sin and temptation. We hold each other accountable. We practice rigorous honesty with each other about what's going on in our hearts and lives. We confess sin to each other. We call each other to repentance. And as we live in that community, we become better leaders and we model community for our church family. It's like nothing I've ever experienced in all my years of pastoral leadership. What a joy to be a part of a team of people serving together in community. So noble pastoral leadership leads to the flourishing of every member of the church. Plurality of pastoral leadership leads to the flourishing, multiplies the flourishing of every member of the church. And now we're going to focus in our remaining time on how church members can relate to pastoral leadership in a biblical way that leads to flourishing. And a passage of scripture I would love for you to turn to is in the book of Hebrews. Hebrews 13, 17. If you're using the Pew Bible, it's on page 1070. Hebrews 13, 17 says this. 
obey your leaders and submit to them since they keep watch over your souls as those who must give an account so that they can do this with joy and not with grief for that would be unprofitable for you. This verse is teaching church members that you will profit from the pastoral leadership of the church as you obey and submit to them. Now, just the mention of that phrase creates difficulty, I think, for most of us. I know it does for me. For many of us, submitting to FBG and its leaders is difficult to hear because it seems strange and foreign and unbaptist. And it certainly does to me. The teaching is difficult because we can all cite examples of the abuse of pastoral authority that we've either heard about or personally experienced ourselves. The teaching is difficult because some of us have been deeply hurt, abused, exploited by churches and their leaders. And it's difficult, in addition, because we sometimes misinterpret the doctrine of the priesthood of the believer. The priesthood of the believer means that every believer has direct access to God through Jesus Christ and needs no human intermediary. But it does not mean that we don't need each other, that we don't need the church and its leaders. We have access to God as priests, as a kingdom of priests, who cannot function independently of each other. Submission to the church and its leaders is difficult for me to teach, even though it's clear, it's a clear biblical teaching. And it's difficult difficult because of the potential for misunderstanding in bringing it up in our church, in teaching Hebrews 13, 17 in our church. It's difficult for me to teach this because I fear that you'll think I'm asking you to blindly and mindlessly submit to FBG and our directional team to the point that you would follow us off of a cliff or follow us to South America to drink Kool-Aid. But that's not what's happening. The teaching is difficult because I fear you, it will sound self-serving. That like a grab for power. That the directional team wants to dominate. Tell you when to breathe. Tell you exactly what you have to think. Even though the teaching may be difficult for us, we're still responsible for obeying it. Every church member is instructed to submit to the church and its leaders. And the reason we're instructed to do that is because that's the way God has designed for us to flourish in our relationship with Christ. It's through our relationship with with our church and its leader. Any Any authority the church has, any authority the church and its leaders have, has been given by Jesus Christ because all authority belongs to him. I think we would all agree that we're called as believers 
to fully submit our lives to Jesus Christ. That's clear teaching of the scripture. The way we do that, according to this verse, is we submit ourselves to him by submitting to his body, the church and its leader. When Jesus gave this authority to the church and its leaders, he knew he was entrusting this authority to imperfect, broken people who would not always use the authority in a noble way. He knew that the only way it would work is for, pa is for both pastors and church members to trust him in each other, to submit to him and to each other with our eyes wide open using discernment. In light of all these difficulties, how can we know when it's safe to submit to the church and its leaders? Well, submit to pastors who are devoted to watching out for your welfare as a shepherd watch out, watches out for and protects the sheep. Hebrews 13 and 17, uh, 13, 17, obey your leaders and submit to them since they keep watch over your souls. Submit because they are working for your, your welfare and the way to experience the blessing and flourishing that Jesus wants is through submission. Pastors who consistently demonstrate a careful watch for the spiritual welfare of the church are safe pastors. Submit to pastors who are accountable. Notice the next phrase in the verse. Obey your leaders and submit to them since they will give an account. Pastors who have a strong sense of accountability are the kind of pastors you can safely submit to. Our directional team at FBG is accountable, first of all, to the Lord himself. We submit to him daily. And we'll answer to him when we stand before him and will be judged with a stricter judgment because of the responsibility with which he has trusted us. And so we function and serve in awareness that we will give an account in the day of Christ. In addition to that, we're accountable to each other, as I mentioned. We're accountable to mentors and accountability partners in the church that each of us have individually. We're accountable to deacons, personnel committee, church bylaws. We are accountable to the church. And then submit to pastors who exhibit humility. Look in 1 Peter chapter 5, another passage I would love for you to see. It's on page uh, 1078 if you're using the Pew Bible. 1 Peter chapter 5, beginning with verse 1. Verse 1 starts out, I exhort the elders, I exhort the pastors among you. Then verse 2, shepherd God's flock among you, not overseeing out of compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you. Not out of greed for money, but eagerly. Not lording over those entrusting to you, but being examples to the flock. You 
who are younger, have to skip down a little, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. All of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. This passage gives us guidelines to identify whether our pastors are doing their work with humility. First of all, they're doing their work with humility if they're doing it willingly because they want to serve, not grudgingly because they have to serve. They're expressing, doing their work, humility, if they're serving eagerly, the verse, these verses say, out of a sincere desire to serve God, serving him with the energy that comes from being devoted to him, not doing it out of greed for money, not doing it for personal gain. Pastors lead with humility when they serve as examples this passage says, being examples to the flock, not lording it over the church with heavy-handed control. Pastors who lead willingly, eagerly, and by example are safe pastors, and pastor, pastors whose leadership you can follow. What does it mean to submit to FBG and its leaders? It means submitting to Jesus Christ, first and foremost. It means that you're willing to accept the work Jesus wants to do in your life with the help of FBG and its pastors so that you can flourish and thrive spiritually. It means following our lead as we follow Christ. It means being willing to receive help so that we can flourish in our relationship with Jesus Christ. And how does all this connect with Vision 2020? Well, as you submit and I submit to FBG, to its leaders, we will flourish in leading someone who is close to you, closer to Jesus. We all need our church and its leaders to help us flourish in both our walk with Christ and our witness for Christ. So, in the next 97 days, how can you submit to FBG and its leaders to get the help you need to lead someone who is close to you, closer to Jesus? First of all, by participating in corporate worship on a regular basis. Choosing to participate in corporate worship and allowing worship to keep that vision 2020 alive and stirring in, their, in our hearts, that is a way we submit to the church and its leadership. The church calls us, the scripture calls us to come together in worship. So when we do that, we're submitting, we're receiving, we're accepting the benefit of the church. And as you come to corporate worship, the vision will continue to be stirred it will strengthen your resolve to be obedient to the vision. It will increase your confidence in the Lord. Another thing you can do, a way to submit to FBG and its leaders, is by engaging with the preaching and teaching of the Word of God. 
We do that in our worship services. We do that in our Wednesday night discipleship studies. We do that in our small groups that meet on Sunday morning and during the week. Right now, we have a Wednesday night study that's entitled, How to Lead Someone Close to You Closer to Jesus. And it's led by Kevin Eckert, our lead pastor, and by Kurt Sparkman, our formations pastor. That would be a great way to receive the benefit of the pastoral of the church and the pastoral leadership is by participating in that class. You can submit to FBG and its leaders by connecting in small group community where you can talk openly and honestly about your personal struggles and challenges and carrying out the vision of leading someone close to you, where you can confess the fears that you're wrestling with, where you can receive encouragement from other people who probably feel the same way that you do, where you can enlist the prayer support of others in the church to help with your particular struggle around fulfilling this vision of leading someone. You can gain wisdom and insight from others who are doing it. Their example will speak to you. So receive the benefit of the church and its leaders by engaging in corporate worship, connecting with the preaching and teaching, and connecting in small groups. This passage in Peter that we just read says that submission requires humility. Look at verse 5. All of you. So he's... Well, let me read... Read verse 5. All of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. You see, he's just been writing in the first four verses to the pastors and to the church members. And he wraps it all up by saying, Clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. Both the leadership and the fellowship work together by being clothed with humility to each other. Both the pastors and church members can be, we can flourish as we clothe ourselves with humility toward one another. And notice that the passage mentions pride. Pride that stands in the way of being the humble people that God wants us to be in Christ. Our pride keeps us from submitting, from receiving the benefit of the church and its leaders for our own flourishing. I would remind you of a passage of scripture in John 13. It was the night before Jesus was to die. He had gathered with his disciples for the Last Supper. And in the course of that time together, uh, he proceeded to wash the feet of the disciples. He humbled himself before them and began to do the menial work of a slave. 
Do you remember what happened when he came to Peter? Peter said, whoa, wait a minute, Lord, not me. You're not going to wash my feet. And Jesus said to him, if I don't wash your feet, you have no part of me. And then Peter had a change of heart. And he said, you know, you're right. He said, wash my head, wash all of me. I want what you have to give me. Peter's first response was a response of pride. I don't need to submit to Jesus. But Peter's second response exhibited a change of heart that caused him to submit to Jesus Christ and receive the blessing that Jesus wanted to give him. Some of us need that kind of change of heart when it comes to submission to our church and its leaders, when it comes to receiving the leadership and accepting the benefit. Some of the reason we resist is due to our pride. No, not me. I don't need that. But a change of heart in Jesus Christ moves us, both pastors and church members, to clothe ourselves with humility toward one another.